Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Gary Edelman. Gary uh, played professional tennis from 1977 to 1983. He competed against players such as John McEnroe and Arthur Ashe, and he has taught uh, his system uh, to ten the tennis teams at Princeton University and Babson College, and currently is a tennis tennis professional in Glen Head, New York. Glen Head is out on Long Island, about an hour from New York City. Um, he also teaches a weekend workshop every summer at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, called ten Tennis Without Tension, and. Uh, he has been a certified Alexander Technique teacher since 1995. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Robert. Uh, Gary, could you, uh, for those listeners who are, who are not familiar with the Alexander Technique, could you perhaps provide a very short description of it? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, the Alexander Technique was developed by a man named F.M. Alexander in uh, the late 1800s and he was an actor and uh, it's a way of teaching people, it's a re-education system that teaches people how to use their body in a way that they don't interfere with a certain use of their head, neck and back and it has to do with learning how to pay attention to what you do with your body and to learn how to release tension. Okay, that's a very nice short description. And we'll put a link to a, a, a longer information source on next to the interview. So I'm, I'm assuming that while you were playing professionally, you were not involved in the technique, is that correct? Yes, I, I only learned about the technique after I uh, stopped uh, competing professionally. And could you could you tell us how that came about and what your early experiences were with the technique? Well, I had been exploring after I uh, finished competing. I was interested and in, still interested in improving my game, even though at that point I wasn't competing professionally. And I was started to explore different uh, movement systems. And uh, a friend of mine told me, oh, the best system out there is uh, Alexander Technique. And I took a few lessons from uh, a, a teacher in New York City. And this is over 25 years ago. And uh, I uh, felt uh, unbelievably um, different after these lessons. And then I went out and played tennis, and I found that it helped my game enormously um, in terms of how I moved. Um, I found that towards the end of my tennis career, uh, I kind of lost my, my real quickness on the court, and I wasn't quite as fast as I had been in my earlier days. And suddenly I kind of got back what I had lost. And uh, in addition, my stroking really picked up, and I started to get uh, a lot more power on my shots. And... Uh, it was at that point that I was really hooked on the technique. Hmm. And um, at some point, you uh, decided to train to become an Alexander Technique teacher, which is a pretty serious commitment of, of time and money. What, what, um, what prompted you to do that? 
Well, not only did I find that the technique was helping me on the tennis court, but it was just helping me so much off the court. I felt like uh, my moods were much better. I, I, I started to feel really, really good, um, you know, very, very optimistic, very positive, and uh, I just felt like I had a different outlook on things. Uh, from studying the technique, and I thought, gee, this has done so much for me. Um, I really should train to teach this technique, and so that's what inspired me. Mm-hmm. And um, now I know that uh, when we talked a little before the interview, you said that you you uh, teach uh, really teach three separate things. You teach you teach tennis to people. Yes. You also uh, teach. The Alexander technique to tennis players in connection with their game. Yeah, and then you have a, I guess we could call it an ordinary Alexander technique practice, where I assume you work with all kinds of people, many of whom are not athletes or performers, but maybe people with stiff necks or backache or that sort of thing. Is that would that yes. be correct? Yes, that's correct. So. Um, I, I guess I, I think from the point of view of someone who is interested in tennis and listening to this, could you say a little bit about, uh, well, first of all, how you work with tennis players? Well, I've done a lot of experimenting uh, in terms of the best way to teach the technique to tennis players. And... Um, I got an opportunity to work at Princeton University with the women's varsity tennis team about six years ago. I worked with them for an entire year, the whole school year, and pretty much Monday through Friday, I was there working with the team, uh, teaching them Alexander technique, and this was all really new territory to me, how to teach the technique to the team, and uh, what I discovered is that it seems to work best, at least initially, to do some work with the Alexander technique actually off the court. Um, And then after a few lessons off the court, then I will take what the student has learned and I'll ask them to come on the court with me and then I'll show them some things on the court as well. That's that's very interesting because I did a an interview with an Alexander teacher named Roy Palmer who lives in in England who's mm-hmm. also very uh, interested in the application of the technique to sports and he said pretty much the same thing that that mm. his approach uh, with an athlete is generally not always but generally to work with them in a fairly traditional way at yes. the beginning. And could you yeah. could and now of course you and I know what fairly traditional means but but could you describe a little bit how what that involves for someone who hasn't had any any Alexander experience. Well, a traditional conventional Alexander technique lesson typically involves uh two parts. The first part is what we call chair work where you work with the student and 
um, they do certain movements sitting in a chair and then you have them stand up and sit down in the chair a number of times and you might have them bend over a little bit and work with them in, um, in what we call tennis the ready position or an Alexander technique we call it the monkey position it's kind of like a half squat position mm -hmm. and um, and then the second part of the traditional lesson is typically done with the student uh, lying on their back fully clothed and uh, on a massage table and you're just working with different parts of their body helping them to uh, lengthen out and release some of their tension. Right, and, and that which is sometimes called table work in the Alexandria right. Technique um, is taking advantage of the fact that uh, a student that doesn't have to deal with gravitational field or really have to do much of anything is often able to release uh, perhaps more quickly and more fully than if they were sitting or standing or moving, and and then the trick, yes. of course, is to take that release back into into yes. activity. Absolutely right. So, um, so you you would work with these uh, if you're if if a tennis player comes to you mm -hmm. wanting help. Mm -hmm. The first first few lessons would be fairly traditional Alexander lessons, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at some point you would, uh, as you said, go, take them out onto the court and and have them play. Could you describe a little how that how that uh, would would work? Well, actually, before I would take them out onto the court, I would do some of these traditional Alexander procedures, the chair work and table work. And then in addition, uh, I would also um, do some what we call shadow stroking in tennis, meaning that you, the player is in a room off the tennis court and they have their racket in their hand and they're simulating, they're going through the motions of actually going to hit the tennis ball and moving to the ball, but they're not actually hitting a ball because they're not on the court and there's no ball. And in this case, uh, I have a lot of control over the situation, and we have a lot of time to kind of talk about things and slow things down. And then after we do, we do that a bit, then at some point I'll say to the player, I think you're ready to kind of take things out onto the court, and we'll see what happens. So initially, you're just having them swing as though there were a ball. Exactly. And... Just staying with that part of the process, what are, what are the things that you're looking for and what are the things that you're likely to help them with at that point? Uh, once I begin to, to uh, have them come onto the court. Or even uh, before, even while they're, they're still they're, they're just swinging their racket but there is no ball. What okay. is it that you, as an Alexander teacher... Uh, are, are looking for that might be different mm -hmm. from what, let's say, a tennis pro who was giving a, a tennis lesson would be looking for? Well, actually, from my point of view, the most important thing is to learn how to go into a really good ready position, or as I said earlier, what we call in Alexander jargon, a monkey position. And because uh, so much of what we're doing in tennis is either starting or ending in the ready position, or um, actually the beginning of each stroke is starting in a ready position, a bent position, and then straightening up. So if you don't have the beginning phase of the stroke correct, 
correct, meaning a good ready position, everything that you do after that isn't going to really turn out very well. Mm -hmm. So if you're working with someone on on their ready position, let's say, yes. how are, are, are you doing something different than, let's say, a good tennis coach would be doing? Um, yeah, because it's so much more about uh, tuning into what they're doing with their bodies rather than being so reactive to the ball. So uh, we want to have a certain expanded field of attention where they're really tuning into the ball, but at the same time, they're able to pay attention to what's happening in their own body. Mm -hmm. And um, do you, uh, and does that pretty much carry over to when you're working with them on the court? I assume that you can't really follow them around quite as easily and give them an Alexander lesson while they're moving. Yes. Well, um, you know, because the way I set it up with them is I often have another hitter on the other side of the court when we actually go on to the court. Somebody else will be a hitter. Or I might have a ball machine, an electronic ball machine mm -hmm. that'll just feed balls to them. And then I can be on the same side of the court as they are and make comments and verbal suggestions or even do some hands-on uh, techniques with them to help improve their stroking. And the hands-on techniques, which uh, hand hands-on work, which is mm -hmm. part of pretty much any Alexander lesson, what is it that you're doing with your hands? If you could describe that, I think it would be useful. Well, what you're doing as an Alexander teacher is you're simply sending a suggestion or a message from your hands to that person's body and to their nervous system, how they can release some of the tension that they're putting into their stroking and how they can elongate and, and expand their whole body while they're doing their strokes. And that's presumably not something that even a tennis pro could or would do, right? The tennis pro, some coaches might say, for example, oh, you're too tense. But the player often won't be able to do anything with that information. They'll either take that information and totally collapse and relax their entire body, or they really won't know how to respond to that suggestion in any way. So usually um, it's not very helpful unless uh, you've been trained in the technique. Right. So a, a a good tennis coach would probably see a lot of the same things that you see. Oh, absolutely. But uh, would not have that particular skill that you as an Alexander technique teacher have. Um yeah, they would tennis teachers are really well trained in being good observers. The thing that they miss though um is this relationship that I was talking about briefly earlier between the head and the neck and the head and the neck and the back. And typically when players go on the court and they even think about hitting a tennis ball, they're automatically, they usually tense their neck and they pull their head back and down towards their spine, creating a lot of pressure on their spine. And um, typically tennis coaches won't really catch um, this really subtle kind of um, thing that goes on with players. Right. And, and I don't know how analogous this is, but uh, I haven't worked 
personally a lot with tennis players, but I've worked mm-hmm. a lot with singers, and mm-hmm. um, that's of course pretty much the same pattern that singers often introduce inadvertently into their bodies when they begin to sing. Yes, and it's certain, and of course, as Alexander discovered, and as any Alexander technique teacher quickly discovered that's what many people do for any activity but yes. say in the case of of a singer a lot of times their singing teacher has seen this mm-hmm. and can see that that is actually going to interfere with their singing voice i see you know but mm-hmm. doesn't really have a good tool for helping their student other than saying something like drop your chin or Mm. Uh, move, you know, which is not probably going to work so well. Exactly. Whereas yeah. an Alexander teacher has, I guess, I guess we could say, without sounding too self-congratulatory, that we have a a more sophisticated yet simple system for helping people with that. Yes, that's definitely true. Simple, but not necessarily immediately easy i mean it takes a little yes. practice to yes. to do so that's kind of the edge that that we might have over a coach mm-hmm. um so from the um coming back to a, a a tennis player who's listening to this supposing they don't live anywhere near you but mm-hmm. there is an alexander teacher in their area who pr- chances are is not a mm-hmm. tennis player yes um could they would would it be useful for them to have plain old ordinary Alexander lessons? Oh, most definitely. Um, certainly, um, you know, if the person is a qualified teacher, I'm sure that um, they could get a lot of benefit from lessons, even if they don't work with the teacher on the tennis court. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, gee, I, I'm I, is. I think we've probably covered quite a bit of of this uh, of the of the work you do and mm-hmm. the application. You know, a question that does occur to me: supposing mm-hmm. someone listening to this is a, is a really good tennis player and doesn't have any obvious, um, I don't know, we could call them misuse symptoms, or mm-hmm. they seem to be at the top of their game. Yes. Um, would there be any reason for them to come for an Alexander lesson? Certainly, because um, even if a person um, has good coordination and um, is kind of embodying the uh, principles of the Alexander technique in an unconscious way, if they were to learn this technique, which is some, it has to do with uh, becoming more conscious of how you use your body, they can even improve their coordination even more and their ability to move would be even more easy and, and their stroking would improve as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm thinking of a different field of athletics. Uh, uh, boxing comes to mind and, and mm-hmm. thinking about Muhammad Ali in his early sure. days. Now he you know, he had incredible grace and agility and you might say, Well, would he have benefited from lessons at that point? And I think he would have in the sense that he would have had a a, a tool to use when things started to get a little rougher around the edges for him. Would that make mm-hmm. sense to you? Yes, absolutely. So yes. 
and he might someone at that level of skill might have only needed uh, one or two lessons to kind of get the basic message that we're that we're putting out there so yes i have found that the people that are really um naturally talented and gifted if they study the technique and they're serious about working with it um even the slightest little input they can take it the information and really apply it very quickly right so and and would you would you um care to just expand a little bit to other sports i mean we're mostly talking about tennis here but it, it, do you think the things that you're saying about tennis pretty much apply across the board to 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 sports absolutely i mean another um thing that i was going to mention in terms of what I typically work on with players at the beginning when I start working with them, and this applies to so many other sports, is how they grip the racket and hold the, the tennis racket. And of course, the uh, idea of gripping would apply to a golfer and to a baseball player and to a hockey player and any sport where you have some kind of an implement uh, that you're holding on to. And typically, what you see is that people hold on to the implement or the uh, racket, usually with tremendous amount of extra tension. And that tends to tense up the entire rest of the body and interfere with their free natural uh, coordination. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, even the most, some of the most mundane activities that we engage in involve that. Maybe for a listener, the next time they get behind the wheel of they, their car, Mm, and have their mm -hmm. hands on the steering wheel, they might want to just take a look and and see if they're not gripping that wheel. Uh, I, I see that all the time with people just holding on for dear life to uh, a steering wheel, which, which with power steering doesn't really require much um, much force at all. And in fact, gets in the way of a rapid reaction. Mm, that's an excellent point, and it brings up another um, point that I wanted to make, which is what I tell my students, that you can actually improve your tennis game with the Alexander technique off the tennis court by working with activities that have nothing to do with tennis per se. Absolutely, For example, yeah. you can, just, just what you said, if you work with how you grip the steering wheel and you can grip it a little bit easier than if you go on the tennis court that ability to grip something with less tension will, ca will often carry over to how you grip a tennis racket and help your tennis stroking right and and i guess i guess we should say or i should say maybe very explicitly that the the alexander technique is really helpful in learning how to do anything that you do better mm -hmm. i mean we're we're all about process uh, mm -hmm. more than the specific activity obviously some teachers such as yourself tend to tend to specialize a bit with with a particular activity but mm -hmm. we really can help you do anything chop vegetables uh sit at a computer walk whatever speak um any activity uh better chances mm -hmm. are than what you're doing now. So yes. is, is there anything else that you would like to add uh, that, that I haven't asked that you think would be useful to, to talk about? Um, I think you've done a really good co uh, job of covering all the uh, things that we wanted to talk about. So no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, um, my uh, guest today has been Gary Edelman 
who is uh, formerly a, a professional tennis player and has been an Alexander Technique teacher for about 15 years now. He uh, works in Glen Head, New York, which is about an hour out of New York City. And he he teaches tennis lessons, just plain old tennis lessons, I guess. Uh, he teaches the Alexander Technique to two tennis players in, in the way that he d described. And he also teaches Alexander lessons to anybody who uh, is interested in this process. Yes. So, um, Gary, thank you so much for being on the, on the program today. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest. <laughs>